Signs to the Church, Part 6. If you've been following along with us in this series, we have been going through the seven churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Actually, it's only in uh, two chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. So we hope that you've been with us. We called this sign to the church because signs are everywhere. And this is kind of Jesus giving the church a sign or several signs on some of them telling them where they're at, how they're doing, some of them telling them what's coming ahead. See, signs give us information. Sometimes they give us directions, like, hey, the bathroom's down there. Sometimes they tell us that, hey, there's a sharp corner ahead, you might need to slow down, or falling rocks. Sometimes there's like huge warnings. You know, you see the, the skull and crossbones that symbolizes poison. You see, back in the day when I used to watch the Roadrunner cartoons and you'd see the bottle with the little poison sign on it. There are warning signs. I can remember it, I've shared this before, doing some work with my friend and we were on the top of the roof of uh, the hospital and there was ventilation ducts that said uh, biohazard warning, stay back 20 feet. We don't want to breathe those things in. There are signs that tell us warnings like look out, danger is ahead. There's instructions. Almost any building you come into, especially a business, has a warning that's probably about a foot and a half tall, big sign that tells you that it, they are not responsible for you getting coronavirus or maybe even dying from it if you enter their premises. That's all the legal things that are there. So there are signs that give us all kinds of information. They give us warnings. Sometimes there's signs around graduation time. How many times do you drive by somebody's yard that has a, a sign out in the front that congratulates their, their student that just graduated from high school or maybe a soldier's coming home. So not all signs are bad and all signs are good. They just give us information. They tell us things. Well, Jesus was giving signs to the churches, and not just to the churches in Asia Minor at that time, but to us today as the church. Not just Kennesaw Family Life Church, but us as a part of the church. You know, we are a part of the body of Christ. So there was four main areas that he dealt with. It was the commendation. Jesus would tell them what they've done well, what they're doing well, say, good job, keep doing it. Then there was condemnation, like, hey, you need to correct this. This You're going down the wrong path in this area. Then there's a warning. Hey, if you don't correct this, this is what's going to happen. And then there was a reward that at the end of each one, it says to all who are victorious, all the, those that correct what's going, going wrong and those that are faithful to the end, there's a reward that Jesus has told us. And all those rewards for all seven churches apply to us. All of these warnings apply to us. We hope the commendations apply to us. And today we're going to be looking at the sixth church, and this is uh, the church in Philadelphia. And it's the only, the second church of the seven that doesn't have any or condemnation or warning. This is only the second church that does that. I think Smyrna was the other one. So let's look at this in Revelation. Uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. The, what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength. Yet you obeyed my word, and you did not deny me. 
Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love because you have obeyed my commands to preserve or to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take it away so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from God, and I will also write on them my new name. Anyone who hear with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. There's a lot there, but mostly commendation, mostly a well done. The city of Philadelphia was known for its commercial and agricultural importance. It was that center, that hub, particularly grapes, of all those things. It was no surprise. They housed the temple for Diocesis. I can't say his name. I don't know why I can't do Greek names. So you can just laugh at me now. You can just, it's all right on your computer. Whatever. He was the god of wine. And no, we're not going to, this is not one we're going to celebrate for those of you that are thinking, hey, this is a good God to celebrate. There are no other gods, and I'm joking right now. But this was no surprise. Their, their main agriculture was grapes. And so this was a community that had a temple. It housed the temple to this God. Now the church there, just like in other cities, was growing, but it was not growing quickly. There was opposition. It says this was another city that had a Jewish synagogue, but apparently that synagogue did not follow God. It said they called it a synagogue of Satan, that they were totally not following what God had called them to. They were not representing him. They were not following the laws that God had put before him. But the new church had shunned those things, and they had been shunned by the synagogue. The synagogue probably made fun of them, probably whatever. I don't know what they did. They persecuted them in several different ways, but the church remained faithful. They stood firm. So I want to get to that first thing today, the commendation. You have obeyed my word. That's what Jesus said to him. You have obeyed my word. Look at verse 8 again. It says, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. From what we can tell in history, this was a small church that obeyed, endured, and endured. It says they didn't have a lot of strength, so that would imply that they didn't have large numbers. They weren't a large force in that community, but yet they endured. Have you ever felt like that? Like someone that's small and insignificant? I know I have. I felt like I have very little value, that I'm small, that I'm insignificant, that at times I feel like I'm the only one that's really paying attention to what God's saying. Just because I see things around me and it it grieves me because I see even people calling themselves Christians doing things that go against the Word of God and it breaks my heart. And sometimes I feel alone in those things. Maybe you do too. Maybe you just feel like you're insignificant in a lot of different ways. 
But as believers and as followers of Christ, He sees what we do. He sees that we're faithful. He sees when we obey. That's the goal. We want to be faithful to the Word of God no matter what anybody else around us is doing. Sometimes others will do things and it'll seem like they're prospering, but they're not really following God. They're following their own things. We've got to follow God. We've got to obey Him. We've got to remain faithful. So that's what was happening. It, sometimes it can be hard to be faithful when everybody else around you isn't. So I think that's the one thing that we have to be able to come to a place of as believers. That we get so firm in our relationship with God that even though everybody around us is compromising what they believe, that we stand firm. God will bless us when we stand firm. God will commend us like He commended the church in Philadelphia. We want to be like that church. And for us to remain or to be like the church in Philadelphia, we've got to remain obedient to the Word of God. We cannot compromise. I want you to look at John chapter 14 with me really quickly. There's a few things that Jesus said in the Gospel of John that will help us with this. Now look at his words. John 14, 15, we're going to go through verse 21. It says, If you love me, obey my commands. Did you get that? If you love me, obey my commands. His commands are found in his word. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now Jesus is giving his disciples He's given his disciples the knowledge that, hey, in a little while, I'm not going to be with you anymore. This is before he died. And when you read back through the, the, the scripture, you see where Jesus gives all these foreshadowing of what's to come. And yet the disciples didn't always see it. But he was telling them, look, if you love me, obey the commandments. Obey my commands. Do the things that I tell you to do. So as believers, Jesus has sent us the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help us to obey his commands. That was a promise that he'd given us for this life, the Holy Spirit living in us. But he says, if you love me, you will obey. Now that sounds really simple, but the truth is we live in a world and in a culture that draws us and tries to draw us away from him. Look, in every aspect of our lives, there's this tension that's trying to constantly pull us away. And the only thing we have as believers is the Holy Spirit to hold on to in God's Word. We need to know His Word. That's why it's important for us to read it so we know what those commands are, so that He know what He's called us to do. 
And we need to follow him and hold on to it. And he'll give us the Holy Spirit to do this. So what are those commands? You might be thinking, well, what commands are you talking about? I'm going to make it really simple for you. And it's a, a verse that we have quoted a lot in this church because it's the verse that we base everything we do on. So look at Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Some of you that have been with us for a long time might even be able to quote this verse. But it says, and somebody had asked Jesus, you know, what the greatest commandments were. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So there are more laws and commandments out there, but they're all based on this. Love the Lord your God with everything you have. That's the bottom line. We need to love God. So if you look at the other churches, when Jesus gave warnings, when he gave condemnation, it was usually because their priorities got out of line. They didn't put God first anymore. They were compromising. Maybe they had let false prophets in. They were leading them towards sexual sin or to worship other gods. If you read the Old Testament, man, I've been reading through kings in my own personal study, and it seems like every king that comes up, most of them would lead Israel away from worshiping God and would worship all these other gods. It's crazy. Gods that, that told them that they had to sacrifice their children, that they had to do all these things, and they would stray away from God. The number one commandment that God has given us is to love Him. To love Him. That's the number one. That should be so simple, yet it's so hard. Because there's so many things that pull our attention away. There's so many things that get in the way of us worshiping God and loving God the way that we're supposed to. But that's the first thing, with all our heart, mind, soul. That means that we come to a place, and this is a process. It doesn't happen just overnight. It's a process that the more we study the Word of God, the more we spend time with Him, the more we pray, the more our love for Him increases and grows, the more we understand, the more we become more like Him. And then the second commandment says, equally as important is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. Now, your neighbor could be anyone. It's not just the person that lives in the house next to you or if you're in an apartment, maybe the person above you or below you. That's not... A neighbor is anyone that you come in contact with. We're to love those that are around us. For the church, it starts with us loving each other. I want to commend our church for a minute. The number one thing during this time of this pandemic, during Corona, the number one thing that I think our church has done really, really well is love one another. We've grown in community during this. We may not be getting together like we want to physically, but we've cared for one another. We've bought groceries. We've sent notes and messages, and we've prayed over each other. We've supported each other through difficult things. That is a true sign of being a follower of Jesus. Those are the things that we want Jesus to commend us for. We want to be known for loving Him and for loving others. That's why everything that we do as a church is designed to grow those things. Whether it's 
like this afternoon when we feed families through Forever Fed, that is a form of loving our neighbor. We're giving food to help them meet a need, but that food is just a band-aid. It's really for us to build relationships so we can love them on a deeper level. Or it might be just coming together for a game night, having a little friendly competition, maybe even making fun of each other a little bit. Sometimes we, we have a little bit of fun banter, but it's about loving each other and caring for each other. Or if it's just helping somebody on the side of the road or whatever those things might be, we're showing love through our actions. We never look more like Jesus then we show the love, unconditional love. And I know it's hard sometimes. Some of you went through the Everybody Always study on Sunday nights, and Bob Goff talked about loving the difficult people. And it's hard sometimes. I say it all the time, we don't have to like everyone, but God did call us to love them. And there's some people that sometimes I just don't like very much by their actions, their attitudes, the things that they do, but God's called me to love them. God's called me to care about them. And just because you don't like everything they do or you don't like them at that moment doesn't mean you're an evil or bad person. It just means that they need a little more grace and we need a little more grace in our lives. But God's called us to love them. And there's a lot of scripture, and I'm not going to go down this, wasn't even really planning on talking about it. But there's a lot of scripture, especially in the Psalms and Proverbs that talk about loving our neighbors and praying for them, praying for those that, that hurt us, those that come against us, those that frustrate us. We all have people like that in our lives. I know I do. I've got some people in my life that's really hard for me to love, but God's called me to love them. So the only way I really know how to love them is to pray for them. Because when I pray for them and when I pray and allow the Holy Spirit it changes the way I feel about them. It changes the way I interact with them. It changes how, it doesn't change them. It changes me. Now I pray that the Holy Spirit will go and touch them and change them, but it changes me. So we want to remember those things. So to follow and obey those commandments, to love God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember back when we read in um, John 14, said that He would send us the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at 1 John 3, verses 23 through 24, because it kind of talks about this a little bit more. It says, And this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him, and He with them. And He knows He lives in us, because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. When we operate and follow God's commands, He gives us His Spirit. His Holy Spirit lives within us. That is the gift that He's given us for this life. We're going to talk about the rewards that we have for, the, for eternity in just a moment, but He has given us the Holy Spirit for this life. When we show love to one another and to those around us, we're obeying the commands of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to do it, even when we don't want to or don't know how to. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. We are, we are remaining faithful and obedient to His commands when we do those things. We can't get caught up in the drama of this world. Nothing breaks my heart more than watching 
the church and believers berate and come against each other. over politics, over other things, and they rip each other apart. Satan wants us to do nothing more than to tear each other apart. We do his job for him. Now, I know that not everybody agrees politically. And I have told everybody to pray and vote the way they feel that God is leading them to vote. And we all have our reasons for why we go that way. But as a church and as a body of believers, politics should never rip us apart. Actually, as the church, we should be the ones leading the way, showing how we love one another and showing how we love others so that we can lead the way to change the culture of our land, to change the culture of our, of our country. That's our job. We need to obey the command. We may feel insignificant and weak at times, but we need to obey. We need to follow Him. And you know what's going to happen when we do that? We're going to have an influence and an impact on the world that's around us. As a church, we're not the biggest church. Not even close. But yet God has given us favor to have an impact on the community that's around us. That is what God has called us to do, to love a community. Pastor Jennifer and I say we, we didn't come to pastor a church, we came to pastor a community. And no, not everybody in this community is going to come to our church, but we can love everybody in this community the same. And that's what we do. That's what we want to do. Don't always do it well, but that's what we want to do. Second thing, last point today. Reward. Protection and promise. That's the two things that I put out there. Protection and promise. I want to look at verses 10 through 12. It says, Because you have obeyed my commands to preserve, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to the world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take, it away, take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens of my or the city they will be citizens in the city of my God. Man, I'm having trouble today reading this. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Man, I stumble over all those my gods. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you protection. There's a lot that we can break down. I gave you a little sub point there, and that's going to be the first one is protection. If we remain obedient to Jesus, he says he'll be protecting us from the great testing. This is, there's much of the book of Revelation talks about this testing that's going to happen, and, and it starts around chapter 6. And we don't have time to go into all that, but there are bowls and seals and all kinds of crazy things, not like seals in the water, but like seals that would be on an envelope that break that seal, that's pouring out the wrath of God on the world that has not turned to Him. Now, you may have heard the term rapture, you may not have heard the term rapture, and there's a, there's a lot of speculation on what's going to happen in the end times through reading the book of Revelation. Some people believe 
that the church is going to be pulled out before the time of great testing comes and that that's where that protection will be. Some people believe the church will be here during part of that time, but then get pulled out right before the very end. And, and it varies. Some people believe that that protection will mean that the church will endure through the great testing, that that great testing won't come upon the church itself. It'll only be for those that don't follow God. Wherever it is that God promises that He's going to protect us through that time of trial, that His protection is going to be upon us. I tend to hope and believe that He's going to pull us out, and it comes, and you can read it in First Thessalonians, that He's going to pull us out before that time comes before that great trial comes. I want to believe that we won't be here for it, but I know this. I know that God is faithful, that He is faithful to protect His people, that no matter what comes, we are in His hands. He will protect us. When we remain faithful to Him, no matter how hard it gets, that He will have His protection upon us. There is nothing that can happen to us in this life that will change our eternity when we're under the protection of Jesus. So, whether we are here to the second coming or whether we leave this life before it happens, whatever that may be, I want to be ready. I want to live in a way that there aren't condemnations against me. I want to live where there's only commendations that says, hey, well done, keep going. Now, we can always improve. There's always things that we need to to get better at. There's maybe sin that we're still dealing with that we need to, to give to God, but I want to drive forward towards Him. So the first thing is protection. The second thing is this. We will be citizens of the city of God, the new Jerusalem. And, and a big part of Revelation, I want you to look at Revelation 21, 1 through 7, says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. I read all of that down to that last one because in every letter he said to all who are victorious, he says that you inherit all of these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. It says several things. It says, one, that our names will be written on the pillars in the temple of God. It says that God's name will be written on us. That we will be citizens of this new world that God is creating just for us. That we can live with Him forever. There will be no more crying, no more tears, no more death and sorrow. That we will be pain-free. Those are the things that we're striving for. That is the paradise that God has called us to. And that is ours when we put our trust in Him, when we obey Him, it says to all who are victorious, this is your reward. 
that should excite you. That should give you joy that this life isn't all there is. That if we will just remain faithful to God, if we will just put our trust in Him and remain faithful, even when it sucks, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, that if we will remain faithful, the rewards are eternal life with Him in that city. That we will be co-heirs with Christ. That all that God has will be given to us. If you're like me, that's hard to wrap our heads around. I don't even try to grasp that concept. I just hold on to the fact that I know that this life isn't all there is. And that while I'm here, I'm going to do the very best I can to obey what God's called me to do. To love Him, I need to grow in that every day. There are some days I love God better than others. And to love my neighbor. I got to grow in that area too. But if I focus on those two things, if I focus on my relationship with God and loving others, not so caught up in what happened to me and what's me and me and all of this stuff and it's all about me. When I get caught up in those things are when I get off track with God. But when I poke my focus on Him and the people around me, then I'm at peace with where I'm at. I know that God's Holy Spirit's working within me that I can do the things that He's called me to do. See, at the very core of sin, selfishness, it's when we get so caught up in ourselves and so caught up in what's going on in our lives that we forget all these other things and we get angry and mad at God and we get all the frustration and all the, that this person did this to me and this person did that. That's when we get off track from God. But when we put our focus on Him and we love Him, He will give us a love to love others. And it will change us. That's why when you serve at events like Forever Fed or you go down and serve in other places, it feels good because you're, you're living out the things that God's called us to do. When you give somebody a gift, when you love on somebody, it changes the way we feel because when we do those things, it's the most that we're like Him. The sinful fallen nature that's in us is the one that gets mad at the person that cut us off in traffic. It gets frustrated with the person that calls us and tries to sell us stuff over the phone we didn't ask them to. We're, it, it just gets frustrated when we have to wait in a line or have to wear a mask or whatever that may be. That's when we get caught up in ourselves. I want to challenge you today to be like the church in Philadelphia. Even though you may feel insignificant and weak, to just obey the commands of God. To love Him. To love others. To live for Him and be faithful. The rewards are eternity. His name written on our lives. All of us together for eternity. Without pain, sorrow, death. Don't have to worry about viruses and all of that stuff. That's where God's calling us to. So I want to challenge you as we wrap up today to dig into Him today. I want to pray over you. 
Father, Lord, I praise you and thank you that this life isn't all that there is. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, and for all that he's done in our lives. And Lord, I pray right now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us, that Lord, that you would give us the love that can only come through your Holy Spirit, that we would love you beyond anything else, above anything else. And that we would love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. That we, would, that we would care for somebody. That we would love them. That if we see a need, that we would do our best to be able to meet it if it's in our power. That we would love on those that really are hard to love. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit today. Give us your peace and your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. And make sure that you, you, if you need prayer, just to go ahead and click and ask for somebody to pray with you. That It's totally private. When you click that prayer, it opens a separate box that's completely private. We love you and we're in this with you together. Have a great week.